Good morning, ladies, and welcome to Looking Up. This is a podcast for Christian women. I'm Kathy Pollard, one of your hosts, and with me is Carla Moore, your other host. And we hope to encourage ladies with this podcast based on Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, which says, If you've been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above. Keep seeking those things which are above. So that's our goal and objective with these conversations. We just like talking about things that Christian friends might enjoy talking about and sharing what's on our hearts and hopefully just helping everybody kick their week off on a great start and to keep looking up, knowing that God's in control no matter what. So Carla, how are you doing today? It looks like you're back at the church building with another fancy chalkboard behind you. <laughs> I am. It's the same chalkboard. I just moved it oh. a little bit down the row. So okay. it's the same, same spot, just a couple of inches further down, nice. but I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You always do such a good job on that intro. Really? Thank you. Because yes, I do. don't feel like it. No, <laughs> That's the hardest do. part, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Kicking it off, but you, <laughs> Kicking you, do, it off. you do well. Yeah, Thank I'm doing you. well. Everything's great. We, um, I've got a little bit of a scratchy throat. We had gone down to watch the um, the Katie kids this weekend while Aaron and Jordan had something going on. And both of the girls had a little cold or something. So I just got a little bit of that. I took some Zycam getting over it, John, John too. But um, so At if least I clear my throat, to- sorry. At least you're not traveling to a big event to speak this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. No problems there. By the time this goes live, that would all be over. Yeah. It feels like we've been anticipating this for months and preparing mm-hmm. for it. And then it's going to start tomorrow and be done before we know it. So. But things? I'm looking forward to seeing you and I'm praying for your safe travels tomorrow. Yeah. We're excited about being there. It, it's so obvious that that all of the Lehman members have just jumped in and, and helped really get things have. ready. And it's, it's yes. so encouraging. It's been fun. It's been fun. I think this is just one of those things that pulls everybody together. And it's so exciting to work side by side with people and learn even more about them. And we've just been so blessed to, to see everybody rolling up their sleeves and getting to work. So we're excited. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I I've noticed about you and Neil is that y'all are so good to, um, delegate is maybe not quite the right word, but to encourage everyone to be involved. And you were that way at Bear Valley. And it's, it's really not everyone can do that or not everyone does that well. You know, sometimes you, you have a way you want something done and you feel like you have to do it yourself to do it that way. But I was just telling John a day or two ago that you and Neil are really good about getting everyone involved and getting everyone excited. And that that's a talent. So I'm appreciative Thanks. of that. That's yeah. very sweet. Hey, you mentioned something about a food truck on uh-huh. your Facebook this week, some kind of a cupcake or or some kind of a, what, tell me more about that. That sounds There's, very good. Yes. We're having food trucks out mm-hmm. in the parking lot for the event. And Russell Simpson, one of our elders met a young lady at CYC who is an entrepreneur and she started her own food truck business. And it's some sort of bakery truck. I believe she does cookies. I think they're cookies. Oh, okay. Um, she may do cupcakes and things like that too, but I think the flavors that she shared with us that will, she'll have available on Saturday. I think those are cookie flavors. Okay. So well, she's going to come bring her sweet truck up there and make those available during equipped. That's such a great idea. Yeah. How many different food trucks are there? I'm not really sure. A handful. I don't yeah. know. I think that's going to be such a helpful thing to, for people to not have to leave mm-hmm. if they don't want to leave. Just get yeah, it, right we there. have a lot of restaurants close by, but it'll just be kind of fun, you know, mm-hmm. to, to just step outside the door and find something. If you want to, we're going to have a little tent set up where people can sit out there and eat. And yeah, 
Yeah. Fun. Well, I can't yeah. wait. I can't. There's Thank lots you. of things I'm looking forward to about this weekend, but especially mm-hmm. getting to be with you. So what have you been up to the last few days? Have you done anything outside? Uh, no. Well, yeah. Yeah, we did. We got went and got a whole truckload full of horse manure. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what? Been, uh, that's been aging since last August. To top off our, our raised beds, to, yeah. to feed them and nourish them a little bit. We've been tiddling around in the raised beds a little bit. but It's been aging? That's it's been aging. Nice well, of- because you don't want to put it on there hot and fresh, you know, mm-hmm. that's not good for what you're trying to grow. But so, yeah, it's been aging or sitting out in the sun since okay. last August and it's ready to go. But the big thing is I got my hair done. Can you tell? You did. Yeah. It's very pretty. Thank you. Yeah. I went back lighter again. Okay. So normally I do this back and forth thing. I think I'm going to tone it down and go darker and then everybody starts telling me how tired I look (laughs) (laughs) thanks that's my hair color it's my hair color so I went and got it yesterday I went to have it done I was like I'm just ready to go back one just bring it back and um the young lady that did it is only 23 years old Mm -hmm. and so I'm looking at her going she's you know she's younger than my children But she did such a great job. And I was thinking back to when we were in Colorado, I was so spoiled because Cheryl Turner used to do my hair in her. Really? Yes. She would. I didn't even have to say anything. She could tell my roots were growing out and she'd say, is it time for beauty shop? Uh And that's a good friend right there. Oh, such a good friend. And she'd say, come on over or whatever day. And she'd have the coffee ready and she'd put that cap on my head and pull my hair through all those teeny tiny little Mm -hmm. holes in the cap. And highlight my hair for me. And so it was amazing. I got to visit with her, have my hair done in the comfort of her home. The only downside to that is Bob and Cheryl Turner are probably the most hospitable people you'll ever meet. And Mm -hmm. so, and their house was right across from the church building. And so people were coming in and out all the time. I mean, sometimes it was just Bob. He'd walk in. Sometimes it was students Mm-hmm. that would walk over there and they're not I the am, most flattering pose yeah, with, your... with the cap and hair sticking out <laughs> everywhere or goop all over you know looking mm-hmm. like the creature from the black lagoon or something and yeah. it's like oh hey how's it going but do you <laughs> only on have in. to do highlights is that what you do or you don't do your whole head your roots or highlights when or... i'm when i'm this light i just do highlights okay when i'm dark i have to color everything and then do like subtle highlights a yeah. few highlights also. So that's funny that you did yours yesterday. I did mine my, myself last night. Mm-hmm. I used to, Angela Smith and I used to do that together. She would come and do my roots for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that was back when I did, didn't have quite so many roots. And now I, I'm probably full confession here, probably 90% gray. Really? And, yeah, I wow. really am. And it was getting pretty bad. So I didn't want to come to equipped looking like a skunk. But I'm trying to lighten it a little bit, which is really hard to do with dark hair, but I'm trying to not, so T. Woolley has kind of helped me with this. She does my hair when I'm in Denver, but when we're here, I color it myself with that. I know we've talked about that Madison Reed, which I think is better than a lot of the other color stuff, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just trying to use a lighter brown color, which Mm -hmm. this is, I mean, if you look at my eyebrows or don't look at my eyebrows, they're my dad's eyebrows growing on my face, Mm -hmm. but um, I like it. Well, it's a lighter, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's more my natural color, I guess, but I just, I keep thinking about that time down the road when I'm going to have to let it go. And I don't know how I'm going to do it either shave my head and let it all grow in 
probably you, not though, a good idea. Do you really have to let it go? Well, I, if I want to, I mean, I'm having to do my hair like every three to four weeks and that is not fun. No, it's not fun. Because it's such a big difference, you know, between this color and gray. Mm -hmm. So if I don't, it's just very, very obvious in my part. And when the wind blows, I'm self-conscious about it. And so at some point, yes, I probably will. Because I think gray and silver, white hair is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love Cheryl Turner. Speaking of Cheryl. Oh, yeah. If I could go from this to that, like in Mm -hmm. a day and not make people go, what in the world happened to you? I would do it. Maybe, maybe not quite yet, but. Yeah. I just don't think mine's going to be that pretty color of silvery white or whatever. You have gray? I have some. Mm-hmm. I think mine will be that like steel wool. Well, <laughs> like an SOS pad, you know. I like, guess we don't ever have to find out, do we? Here. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I well, know it's and vanity when I'm trying to, to a certain please, extent, but I just not ready for it. No, we don't have to be. This uh-huh. <laughs> I was uh I did my own hair about eight weeks ago. And I was experimenting. Now I'm still trying to figure out what, where, what direction I wanted to go. And so yesterday when the girl's doing my hair, she's like, what all have you been doing? <laughs> Was it she's rainbow lifting, hair? She's lifting my hair and she's like, you've got a little red here. Is that, yeah. was that, did you under process something or what's going on here? And I went, mm. well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the That's record, I like That's your hair. I like your hair blonde and darker. I think it looks good either way. And I, I've never thought you looked tired, but you know, thank you. Whatever, however you're comfortable, go for yeah. it. That's what Neil says. Yeah. Whatever makes you happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he what always make me happy says that, doesn't he? Is perfect hair without ever having to do anything to it. Yeah. That's, that's that was probably, that was about 25 years ago for what, me. I was going to say, what year was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because mine started going gray really early. My mom has beautiful hair. And uh, I mean, I was, I'm trying to remember who I was sitting behind a few days ago, it must've been at worship. And I was just thinking, admiring their beautiful silver hair. And it was somebody that wasn't old, excuse Mm. me for saying the word old, but um, (laughs) it's just the transition between here and there. And, and I'm not ready for it. So someday maybe Mm. anyway. So we had a birthday party for Livy this weekend. Well, we didn't Courtney and Micah did, Mm -hmm. and uh, she's going to be one on the 29th. So it was a little bit early, but it was a lot of fun. And they had a house full. They had, I bet there was 50 people at at different parts of the party. And they had a little bouncy house outside and had pictures all over the hanging from the windows and all over the table of her growing up. And so that was fun. She, she, uh, Courtney had bought her a little, they call it a smash cake where they can just dig into it. You know what those are? Uh, um, It's just a little cake that all it's for is for the baby. You just put it in front of the baby or the child and on their high chair, and then they just smash into it. And it's so funny to watch when they, they look at it and they look at you like, am I supposed to eat this? And then sometimes they'll just put a finger and then they'll lick their finger. And then before long, it's all over their face. (laughs) And hers was vanilla. And she was like Courtney said, she was very polite about it, but I don't think she cared for it too much. She, she was, she'd smile at them and then she'd touch it and then lick her finger. But then they gave her some chocolate cake and she Uh was all about the chocolate cake. She's a chocolate girl. She's a smart girl. Yes, she is. Yeah. When I hear about those big fancy parties like that, I feel like I was such a dead mom. (laughs) Things have changed. We didn't ever have a bouncy house and 
Oh, yeah. the big things that everybody, ours was, it's your birthday. You get mm -hmm. to pick what we're having for breakfast, lunch, and supper and what kind of birthday cake you want. Yeah. You know, that and, then, and then they had presents and we did a big birthday for Gary's 16th, I think, where we invited all of his friends and pals over and I made a cake in the shape of a guitar. Mm. And, um, so then when it was Dale's turn, when he turned 16, he said, I don't want that. Mm. What did he want? <laughs> Just a quiet family yeah. birthday. And then Carl did the same thing when he turned 16. I don't, I don't want a big birthday. So yeah. We, we were did just, that too. We were that very was, low key for our birthdays. Well, we had family all around. So we always had granny and granddad, mama and papa and cousins and uncle, mm -hmm. aunts and uncles that were here. And sometimes, occasionally, we would do a friend party, but it would be five or six, you know, mm -hmm. not anything huge. And uh, I've, I've thought about that before. It's fun to do things big, you know, the gender reveals and yeah. engagement parties and things like that. But it is very different from the way we used to do things back mm -hmm. in the day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want us to sound like cranky old ladies, but back in my yeah, day. Yeah. but it was, it was a simpler thing to do. And we were uh, happy just to get an apple on our yeah. birthday and some hard candy <laughs> and a corn cob doll. <laughs> All right. Uh, now we're talking about our grandparents. <laughs> yeah. Or ourselves. We had, did you have parties? Did your mom and dad have parties for you? Birthday parties? I had a 13th, 13th birthday party and an 18th birthday party. Yeah. The rest of them were family. All I, I, I know that mom may had parties for me and neighborhood kids and, you know, small little kid parties. And I very mm -hmm. specifically remember, I don't know which one it was, but I remember having a yellow shirt with a, you know, you remember those t-shirts that were, had the sticky kind of prints on them, the oh, vinyl yes. print, you know, yeah. and I, I guess I had just got my braces because it was a big smiley face with braces and it said, <laughs> 10 grins are in, you know, I can remember things like that. I can remember really valuable uh, things, but, but it was fun. Cute. Yeah. Cute. And we also this weekend, just talking about things we did this weekend, we had a CPR training here at the church building, hmm. which um, I didn't really want to go to but I know it was something that we needed to go to. And um, I've never done that. Really? Did you not mm -hmm. even have it when you were a kid, like doing babysitting infant CPR? No. Cause I did that years. And I mean, I was probably 13 hmm. and CPR has changed a lot since then, but it was, uh, Denny Williamson and Sarah Pogue. They were two here at the building that did CPR on John and they were here for this training. Mm -hmm. And there was just part of me that just didn't want to be here because of that. You know, oh, I just didn't want to see, see that. And, okay. and it just, hmm. you know, I was, I think I was a little more fearful than I obviously should have been because no, I, that makes complete sense to me. It just brought brought back memories. And they also yeah. on the, um, the AED, do y'all have one at your church building? Yes. A lot of places do now that didn't used to mm -hmm. an automated external defibrillator is what that is. Mm -hmm. And it talks to you when, when you place the pads on in the proper place, it tells you don't touch the person and it's analyzing for a heartbeat. And there are only certain heartbeats if, and I may be, I may have misheard this, but the trainer said there is, if there is no heartbeat, it won't shock you, which I thought, hmm. why wouldn't it? Because it's trying to bring back a heartbeat. 
but she said there's two kinds of heartbeats and one is like a too fast and one is too slow. John's was too fast. His was um, V-fib, ventricular fibrillation, where it's just basically vibrating, not beating. It's not a normal rhythm. And so it's trying to shock your heart back into a normal rhythm. And so it, it, and I remembered, I did not remember before hearing it that day on Sunday, um, how it, it was talking and it would say good compression, good compression. So it's telling you, and it, it will tell you if you're not getting a good compression, if you're not pushing down hard enough. And, um, but that just that no, the sound of the voice mm-hmm. on that was, I hate to use the word triggering because I think it's such a trendy word, not trendy. I'm, but that's tacky of me, but it, it's appropriate. Everybody understands what you're trying yeah. to say. Yeah. So it just kind of took me back. And, mm. but you know, you need some of that. There's a lot of things that I think that we don't want to, to face or to go back and remember, but we need to be, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to have them in little doses. And it was a perfectly safe environment. And it was, uh, it, so in a way it was healing, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I have leftover, uh, trauma necessarily, but, um, but I, I would encourage anyone to, to do that because I, I learned some things about CPR training. She also did, um, choking hazards. Hmm. And so we learned about children, you know, babies, if they're choking, how to handle that. And, uh, interestingly, Denny, who is John's cousin distantly, and I can't remember how the connection is like their grandmothers were cousins or something like that. Okay. But John, he and John have been friends since John's a little boy, Denny's older. So I think he used to pick on John when he was a kid, but they've always been very close. And mm-hmm. so I know that it was very traumatic for Denny to give John CPR, but mm-hmm. at the same time, he, he cared, you know, he cared about John and, and was very serious about doing it, doing it right. And he did. And I, I really do attribute Denny and Sarah's the one that started it. And Denny took over from her, but I really do feel like I called Denny my Superman because he, he did it right. And it, it broke some bones, but you, mm. and I think that you have to, in order to yeah. get a good compression, but he also, Denny has also saved someone from choking. Wow. He just happened to be out fishing one day or on his way to the boat and went past. And I'm, I'm probably getting the story sort of wrong, but he went past a little cabin where women were crying and screaming and there was someone in there choking and he went in there and he just picked up the guy and, and saved his life. (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of like, I tease him a little bit when I can about it's sort of like Angela Lansbury and the, what was the name of that series that she she wrote? Murder she wrote. At some point you start suspecting Angela Lansbury because she's always around when someone's (laughs) being murdered. But I told Denny, yeah, now we just need to put a nine and a half month pregnant woman nearby and let him see if he can deliver a baby. <laughs> just get, just take care of all those emergency situations. Yeah, my anyway. mind went back to Mighty Mouse. I think, wasn't that the one that was like, here, I come to save the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are going way back. Yeah. Speaking of old. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my weekend. I got to go to a police academy graduation, the yeah. Bowling Green Law Enforcement Academy, and our my first cousin's daughter. So I guess that makes her my first cousin once removed. Is that how that works? I can't remember how that works. 
anyway, she and her husband moved to Bowling Green and he went through the academy and graduated and last Thursday. And it was really neat because there's tons of, you know, ceremony about it. And they started out parading them down the street in the downtown square with bagpipes playing. Oh, and yeah. And then there was the, um, do you call it color guard when it's not sure the, the ones with the flags and, you know, they have to walk in step and uh-huh. then somebody per- saying some kind of parade. Yeah. Somebody sang the national anthem inside and um, they got to, the graduates got to pick who they wanted to pin their badge on them. Mm-hmm. And so Austin uh, picked his wife, Caitlin, my first cousin once removed, and she had to walk up there on stage in front of everybody mm-hmm. and pin that. And <clears throat> excuse me, every time they did that, you're just so nervous. Like, is she going to be able to get it in there yeah. in a timely fashion? Is it going to be awkward and clumsy? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But she pinned it and then they would present, you know, for the first time we present to you, officer, Austin Griffin, you know, mm-hmm. well, then they lined up all the graduates and they all had to recite this oath at the same time. That was this long paragraph that they had to memorize, but the oath must have been written 150, 200 years ago because it was using words like forthwith yeah. and they had to, you know, promise under oath that they have never participated in a duel with a deadly weapon nor called called someone out in a duel, nor even acted as a second in a duel involving a deadly weapon. And so they're having to promise all of these things. And it's like, when was this written? You know, but it was really fun. It was, it was interesting. And then as the guys were all leaving and walking out from the graduation, they had a um, quartet singing. Um, My old Kentucky home was the name of the song. And it was like barbershop style Mm -hmm. quartet. They sounded so good, really tight Mm -hmm. harmony. So it was fun. I didn't realize it was going to be such a big deal, but it seems like more and more, it's such a dangerous job to go into and and yes, unappreciated and disrespected sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I am so thankful that there are still people who want to go into law enforcement. Mm -hmm. We can, we'd have chaos without them. So, and that already in some ways is so very thankful for that. I am too. I am too. And barbershop. I love barbershop music. I do too. I wanted to, I thought, is this a real group? They, they were officers, I believe. So they mm-hmm. might just get together and sing for fun because I couldn't find them anywhere, you know, yeah. online or anything like that, but they yeah. sounded so good. My nephew Reagan sings in a barber, barbershop group, not a quartet, oh. but a group. So I know they're still out there. Mm-hmm. I would love to go hear one, but you well, just don't see them um, much anymore. My grandpa's first cousin was in the music man. Yeah. And he was in that quartet that sang in that movie. Lida Rose mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. others. Yeah. It's just fun music. My dad used to sing in one too years ago. Huh. Yeah. Well, the other thing I did was I made some sourdough cranberry pecan bread that actually turned out really well. And I milled the einkorn berries into fresh wheat and did it 100%. So normally that kind of bread turns out a little bit dense, but this mm-hmm. turned out really, really good. And I almost hesitate to share that because I didn't follow our recipe. So I'm yeah. not going to actually be able to tell anybody. <laughs> I'm not going to actually be able to share a recipe. So you just made bread, but put pecans and cranberries in it. Or you, so do you have a recipe for the bread itself? Well, I kind of follow roughly this, I, this easy bread recipe. It's really just flour, water, salt, and yeast that you bake Mm -hmm. in a Dutch oven. But I used a sourdough starter 
And so I made sure it was active. I kind of mixed it up a whole day ahead of time to let it rise all day and then shaped it and then put it in the fridge overnight and then scored it and baked it the next morning. So, mm. I mean, I guess I could try and come up with something, but I really, I, I don't mean, have anything measured. So I guess you could try that again on like Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'll have tons of time for that. Yeah, you will. <laughs> I'll make some time for you. All right. Should we get into our topic? Let's do it today. Um, I know you have a lot going on after afterwards. We're done recording. So we're yeah. talking about being a boy mom because being the, between the two of us, we have six boys. Mm-hmm. We had three sons. And we've no lived to tell the tale. We lived to tell the tale. We survived. Mm-hmm. Survive and thrive. <laughs> yes. And so far, I have one grandson and another grandson on the way. Mm-hmm. So, but you have granddaughters. You have yeah. girls now. Yeah. We have one grandson. The oldest is a grandson. And then the rest, the other four are girls. Mm -hmm. So those have been fun. Having little girls, granddaughters has been fun, but yeah, boy, mom, it's challenging. Mm -hmm. And when I, when we were, you know, talking about this and preparing for it, I just kept getting teary eyed and I'm telling myself, (laughs) don't be sad. Don't be sentimental. Let's just, Uh, let's just remember the, the fun stuff and the good stuff and not the you know, it's good to remember the hard things too, because that's reality. But, but I was trying to remember uh, all of the the emergency room. Did you have a bunch of those emergency room visits? Not a bunch, but we had a few for sure. Yeah. We didn't have tons. And I, Mm -hmm. I think you hear a lot of, and read a lot about when you have boys, you're going to spend a lot of time in the ER, Mm -hmm. but you know, we had terrible insurance and we, and there were times that we had no insurance. So I had to be we had to be more, just think it out. Are we going to do yeah. this? Take them to the ER? Are we going to just try to wait it out? And so I look back on that. There's a lot of things about that, that I probably would have, uh, if we'd had better insurance or better ability to pay for things, we would have taken, taken them more. But I was thinking Jordan had a broken nose in a basketball game. And I remember <laughs> following the ball, you know, I was following the ball and he had the ball and I don't remember exactly how it happened, but at some point someone took the ball and went the other way. So I'm watching the other, the ball going this way. And then I look back and Jordan is bent over and there's blood everywhere. Uh, and yes. yeah. So he broke his nose in a oh. basketball game and ended up, that was real close to Christmas time. We had to have that set. And, um, mm. and then he had to wear a, a mask. That makes my nose hurt just thinking about it. Yeah. And I, I have pictures that, you know, it shows his nose like way off to the side. And anyway, oh, poor guy. he laughed about it, but he had to wear a mask for a while while he played basketball. And I remember a couple of games after that, it was a, like a full face thing, trying to hold his nose in place. He ripped that <laughs> thing off and threw it to the sidelines. He was just like, I am not playing basketball with that thing on. But so he had a broken nose. He had a broken collarbone. He had a broken finger. He had a torn ACL. He had staph infections and allergies. That staph infection, without getting too Mm -hmm. icky, Mm -hmm. uh, I remember that was an ER visit because he had gone to a retreat and and it was a couple hours away. And when he left, he he already had this, you know, I could tell it was an infection. And so I drew in Sharpie a line around it. Or he may have done it when he got there. But then, you know, couple hours later it had gone beyond yeah and so we knew that's something you don't mess with and so Mm -hmm. we took him to the ER and I I remember 
I probably, I can't, I, I probably, I won't go into the whole icky thing about it, but I just remember <laughs> him when the doctor took care of it. I'll just say it that way. Jordan's face, he was both repulsed and fascinated by the, the whole experience. So that, and I did promise my boys that I would not embarrass or humiliate them. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to be careful with my words. So those are the things Jordan had. Jacob had a broken foot from jumping off a cliff into some water. He had broken finger. He had a concussion. He also had a torn ACL. He had a stinger one time, which I didn't even know what that was, but it was out on the football field. Well, it's like someone's helmet hit him in the hip, right? Where his hip bone, um, you know, the, the, where there's not much cushion Mm -hmm. and your, your leg just goes numb. So it was terrifying because it was like, do we, is he paralyzed? And, Mm -hmm. and so we, we took him to the ER for that. And then he walked out just as fine as he could be once it wears off. So stinger is a fun thing. So Micah didn't do quite as many sports. He was more into raising animals for FFA and things like that, but he did have a nasty broken ankle not too long ago. Well, four or five years ago. So plenty of, of those things that you think about with the boys um, having to repair, repair them from the daring things that they do. Yeah. We had um, one of ours fell off the top. Sorry. I'm a frog. Sorry. It's okay. No worries. Maybe I should pause it for a second. You talk. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk while Kathy gets rid of the frog in her throat. Now she's back. Yeah, I'm back. Did you hear that? No. Well, okay. I did, but oh. <laughs> maybe nobody else will. Oh, maybe I didn't do it right. Well, uh, one of our kids fell off the very top of the bleachers in a gym Ooh. one time and it knocked his breath out of him to where he was like stunned and we thought he was unconscious and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. The only broken bone we ever had was Carl and the other boys had already left home by that point and he broke a finger and we weren't sure it was broken and we kept putting it off and putting it off. And it was probably four to six weeks before we finally decided oh, wow. I wonder if there's something wrong with his finger. Cause Yikes. it's not. Yeah. And we took him to the doctor and he had a, had a fracture. So he won the award for getting the one and only broken bone. And not too long after he left home, you know, my little doggie, Ollie, mm-hmm. something happened to him and I took him to the vet. And I remember Carl just giving me the hardest <laughs> time because he was like, I had a broken finger for how long before you did anything about it? And then you're going to take your dog to the vet. <laughs> well, come on. Yeah. yeah so, but, Does he have, um, is it misshapen today? Is the finger? I don't he- think so, but they, Carl saved all his daredevil stuff for after, Yeah, you know, they got motorcycles after they left uh-huh. home and scary things have happened with that, that it's just yeah. terrifying. But, well, that then, surprises me because your boys to me are always doing like oh, the motorcycle yes. things. I'm surprised oh, like, you man. didn't have more they, wrecks on longboards and bikes and all kinds of stuff happen. One time they, Dale, I think it was got a nasty infection in his kneecap from the gym. It was ended up being MRSA Ooh, and it was gross one. and they had to do gross things to it that I won't yeah. talk about. Yeah. But, um, so Okay. At random weird one time Gary went to Cambodia and he kissed a boa constrictor that had been in lake water and he ended up bringing home a parasite oh. and so he was on the brat diet for weeks and he lost so much weight and uh you know so weird weird random things with boys one of yeah. Carl's ER trips he had taken a pre-workout that did something crazy with his heart and the doctor said, um, the difference between boys and girls, less drama, harder to keep alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I always do say yeah. when, when people give me a hard time about not being able to keep plants alive, I say, well, I kept three boys alive. And that's right. That's, that's right. That was my main goal in life. That's, and so that's yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah, it is. They are still alive and thriving. Uh, thankfully. Yes. But it's yeah. fun. I, I think being a boy mom is fun. There's a lot of fun things about it. And, um, I, I wanted a little girl every time I was pregnant, mm-hmm. all three times I was wishing for a girl. Sorry, boys. If you're listening to this, if you do, <laughs> I not. did. I wanted a little girl just because, you know, you, every woman, I guess, wants a daughter, but I didn't find out with Jordan and Jacob, what they were until they were born. But we did find out with Micah before he was born. Mm-hmm. And I, I will confess that I was wishing that he was a, a girl, but I would never, ever, ever go back and change anything. I mm-hmm. am absolutely thrilled that God gave me boys. And I feel yeah. like I am much more of a boy type mom than, than, and I know that girls are, can be drama free too, but I just think boys are a little, they fit what I needed. God knew that I needed boys. Same here. And I, didn't even know anything about him because I only had a sister growing up. So then I had a boy and that was really exciting. And then I had a second boy and I was like, what? And then with the third one, I really expected it to be a girl. And I wore pink shirts and chewed pink bubble gum and, Mm -hmm. you know, and found out we were having a boy and I cried, but that was it. Then I was excited again. And does Carl already know that? Oh, because I feel like he's going to yeah, be merciless about that. I don't think he listens to the podcast, but, okay. um, Emily, don't tell him, don't tell him. And then so many times I would call Neil when they were little about some, something that they were doing. And I thought, is this normal? You know, I would call Neil, is this a boy thing? Is this normal? Should I be worried? Is this... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that seems strange to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, with boys, I, I guess I think of outdoors and mm-hmm. digging in the dirt and snakes. worms and snakes yes. and, and bikes and mm-hmm. rough housing and wrestling. <clears throat> and, you know, I obviously we can overgeneralize to a point, but I just, I really do feel like that's more of a, it's just ingrained into boys mm-hmm. and that's how they are. And that's okay with me because they, they had a lot of fun together. You know, Jordan and Jacob are two years and three months apart. And then there's another six years before Micah was born. So there's a pretty big gap between the older two and Micah. So Jordan and Jacob, you know, they had their young childhood together and, Mm. and then they were very, at the time when Micah was born, they were both very protective of him. But uh, I, I was just trying to remember some things, some funny things about when, when they were little and, and when we, when Jordan and Jacob were probably five and three, six and four. That was when we were making the trip back and forth from Dripping Springs to the Southwest congregation in Austin. And this was before you had to have car seats until they're like 17 now. (laughs) And, and they, they had boosters, but not car seats. And so Mm -hmm. we had a little red Toyota pickup truck with a half bench seat in the back and they would get into it and they would be bickering and wrestling and punching each other. And just, you know, things that I, boys do. Mm-hmm. And I remember we would always, every trip back and forth to Southwest, they would end up, one had to put their nose on that window and the other one had to put his nose on that window <laughs> just to keep them apart from each right. other. So they would quit and they would say, we're just playing. We're just having fun. And I'd always think, yeah, but someone's going to end up crying in a minute or mad or whatever. So that's, that's a big memory from childhood of just 
boy stuff. I, I remember Micah. <laughs> sorry, Micah. I told him I wouldn't <laughs> embarrass them, but he was a little kid at camp one year. I packed all of his socks in the front pocket of a suitcase, not in the suitcase, but like there's the, the outside zipper pocket. And I packed all of his socks in there. And he was pretty little when he went to camp because we were there too. And, and they let you go if you're younger than supposed, you're supposed to be if your parents are there. So I'm thinking he was maybe seven, maybe six. Came home with every pair of socks still clean in that front yeah. pocket of his suitcase. So he wore the same pair of socks all week long. But things like that I laugh about and remember. And I'm sure you have stuff like that too that, that takes you back. Well, and almost the exact same stories. I'm sitting yeah. there listening to you and I was like, well, that was my story. And <laughs> <laughs> socks in the suitcase. Yes. Well, not ours was at camp. Uh, they would go to FPTC, Future Preachers Training Camp. And it was, it started on Sunday. On Wednesday, Dale called me and said, oh, can you bring my toothbrush? <laughs> that's yeah. worse. I'm sorry, Dale. That's worse. Yeah. And, um, and the backseat thing, you know, they would start bickering and stuff like that. And we had three little boys in the backseat. And one time one of them got really upset and I was like, now what? And he was like, Carl's looking out my window. <laughs> this is ridiculous this is my car these are all my windows <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny silly they... things like that we we had a, an occasion one time where we had people over for dinner and we were playing the adults were playing cards in the kitchen and our boys were upstairs playing in their room or so I thought and then I heard a ruckus going on and then a few minutes later one of them came downstairs and tattletailed on somebody else and it had I couldn't understand what they were saying I just knew it had something to do with the toilet <laughs> and so of course he's saying this in front of everybody hmm. I said excuse me a second y'all you know I go upstairs and they'd been playing with you know those vacuum cleaner attachments like you can pull uh -huh. off or uh -huh. attach to clean the curtains and somehow for some reason there was an attachment wedged into the toilet oh my and I said, who did this? And all three of them denied it. And it ended up being this long thing where I'm pulling out all the stops. I'm, I'm saying, you know, you know, God sees everything and he knows which one of you did this. And they that all denied pulling it. out all the stops. And then I said, you know, that it hurts my mother's heart for all three of you to deny this. One of you is lying, you know, and it's hurting my heart that you're not pheasant. All three of them still said, wasn't me. Mm -mm. They're all lined up, shaking their head. No. And, you know, and I just kept going, I just kept trying to come up with everything and none of them. And then I said, if one of you doesn't confess, all three of you are going to get in trouble. They still didn't say anything. And it Thanks. wasn't until I finally, I looked at that attachment in the toilet and I looked at them and I said, you know, this thing can be dusted for fingerprints. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Carl went, <laughs> he always put one hand over one eye when he started crying you know and so but to this day he now claims it was not him and that his brothers made him fess up and you know all this stuff so that's just one of many 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 stories yeah, I'm sure there's there's so many things and I I 
struggle with remembering, you know, there's, I look back on that period of life for me. And in a lot of ways, I was just trying to keep my head above water. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to, to keep them alive, trying to keep them from killing each other. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even, they weren't, they weren't, um, I didn't allow, we didn't allow them to just beat up on each other. That was, mm-hmm. you know, one of them will probably tell me, well, we did when you weren't looking and I'm sure yeah. that there was some of that going on, but I, it was just a period of time that I, there's, if we're going to talk about regrets and I'm sure that we will in some ways of not being as intentional as I wish I would have been. And they've all grown up and they are wonderful men, respectable, and they all are productive members of society. They all have children and there's nothing about any of them that I would change Mm -hmm. as far as their, um, what they, what they have grown into being, but would I go back and do some things differently? And I, I, yeah, I would. Mm -hmm. And I think that I would, um, pay more attention to them individually, I guess. And I know that I did. I know that I did because John always talks about how I, I helped him to see that they each had their own individual personalities and needs, and they each needed different ways to be disciplined. They each Mm -hmm. needed different ways to be, to have a conversation. And one of them, and I won't say who, but one of them would, you could just look at him and he would be disciplined. Mm -hmm. He would crumble. One of them was stubborn and it took more of a, a firm hand, but yet he had a tender heart. So once you got mm-hmm. past that initial stubbornness, he was not hard to discipline. And then the other one, uh, it will be no secret, no surprise, but the other one, the, the older two boys say that Micah didn't ever, he didn't ever get disciplined, you know, cause he's the baby of the family. <laughs> I beg to differ, but I think by the time the third one rolls around, you kind of know what you're doing a little bit more, mm-hmm. or you've figured out which battles to to fight and not to fight every single one. You or know? the third one has learned from his older brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. There's no doubt. I think um, the older two, my older two, because we went through the school system here in Dripping Springs and the teachers, by the time Micah came around, they knew that he was Jordan and Jacob's little brother. And so I think there were certain expectations that Micah, which were good because they were Jordan and Jacob were good kids. And so they expected Micah to be the same. And I think you rise to the level of your expectations that people have of you. And so he did. But um, anyway, I just think about, think back to that time. And um, there was, John used to take them fishing and fishing is not my thing. But it is very much, especially Jordan, still loves to fish. Mm-hmm. And Jake, he enjoyed it. But it, to me at the time, it was um, it was father-son time. Mm-hmm. And it was a time that I could kind of have a breath, take a breath and um, have a little peace and alone time, which I needed. I think every mother needs that. But I there's times that I look back on that and I wish that I had gone because I I see now how important it was to them. And I didn't, I wasn't there to see those things. So I wish I would have done that. And maybe that goes along with the lines of um, just setting things aside that I think are important to Mm -hmm. do things that they think are important, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, you were talking about the different personalities of your sons. 
you know, it's always amazed me raised in the same household by the same parents and can have three different personalities and thinking back on things that go back and change. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I always bring a frog to the podcast. That's okay. Um, I think about two things that stand out overall. I mean, obviously there's a lot of things <laughs> we yeah. could have a whole podcast about that, yeah. but probably the most significant ones would be, um, Number one, less screen time. And I don't mean for them, I mean for me. Mm. And um, I mean, not that it'd be a bad thing for them to have less screen time, but specifically for me, that's what I would go back and change because, you know, I started blogging way back when I was always working on a lesson. Um, Social media came on the scene. I was always communicating with somebody. And even though, you know, we homeschooled, so I spent a lot of time with them you know, especially as they got older, even in, in the high school ages, we were all in the same room while they were doing their school, but I was always on my laptop, always. And I feel like that's probably their picture of me is she was working on her laptop. And hmm. um, I, I just think that there are so many things that I could have done much later, you know, yeah. and just spent more face-to-face time with them, interaction with them. And that really, I just shudder to think, how many hours did I spend looking at a screen, Yeah, you know, during that time? And so that's one thing. And then the <clears throat> other thing is, you know how you, I mean, I don't know if this is true for you or not, but you know how some parents <laughs> <laughs> learn things after the fact that they never knew about. Yeah. And yeah. Uh-huh. that we continue to do that. And <clears throat> I just thought I knew of all the things, you know, that, we, we learned about them, we handled them, we disciplined how we needed to, and we moved on. And, yeah. and then, you know, now they just think it's hilarious to share these things that, and some of it, it is kind of funny. And I'm thinking, what? I'm surprised you survived. I'm surprised yeah. you're alive to tell the tale because they just did all these crazy things. And then some of it, it's like, how did that happen right under my nose? Uh-huh. And I didn't know anything about it. So I think that's the other thing. I thought I was paying attention, but I think I could have done better. And maybe those two things are tied together, you know, um, spending time with the screen instead of paying more attention. And part of that is, and I'm still this way to some extent, I don't like discovering things and dealing with the confrontation part. I'm, it scares me. And And it was hard for me to think about, I should be checking up on their phones. I should be, um, you know, I can't really think of examples right now, but you know, it, in some ways it's easier to kind of turn away and want to assume the best instead of being more diligent about it. And, and not that there were anything, you know, really ridiculous, but I do remember one time in a more lighthearted sense um, Dale was doing his senior sermon for Bear Valley. And he came Mm -hmm. up to me that morning and said, I'm going to share something in my sermon that you didn't know about. (laughs) And Uh that's just not a good feeling. And of course, my first reaction to him was, is it going to make me look bad as a mom? You know, (laughs) how's this going to make me look? But, and he, he, you know, I don't even know how he'd worked that into an illustration for a sermon, but he shared this big thing that he and his brothers did that we never learned about, you know, and there have been instances like that since then that just make me so amazed. And you were talking about the fighting and the 
kind of road rat wrestling and stuff that they did. Well, I always thought that the boys were really tight, really close, you know, that they would have their little spats every now and then, but overall throughout their entire childhood, the boys and were really tight and continue to be really tight. And I love that. But I did learn later, and I'm not going to mention names because I don't want to throw any of them under the bus. Mm -hmm. But I did learn later that one of them apparently cussed in the church parking lot. And another of the brothers hauled off and punched him in the face (laughs) when he did that. Yeah. And, you know, and I was just like, you, you punched your brother in the face? What? You know, I just couldn't even envision that happening. Like just Mm -hmm. a haul out, just as hard as you can knock them out. And so learning about things like that after the fact, it just, I just sit here and go, was I just the most clueless parent? I thought we were, you know, overall doing pretty good. (laughs) Well, you, you talk about social media and there've been so many times I've looked back at my parenting and been so thankful that that didn't come along until after mine were out of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there was Facebook by the time the boys were in high school, but you, there was, we didn't have the phone capability of, of being on Facebook on your phone. It was always Mm -hmm. at my computer that I remember they probably crossed over some, but I'm so thankful that there was no social media when they were little, because I look Mm -hmm. at it now and think of the comparisons and the, um, the highlight reels that we families show sometimes about making things look easier than, than it Mm -hmm. really is. Or on the other end of the spectrum, you know, just showing all of the, the hard and the bad things. And there's somewhere in the middle that, that that would be helpful, but I'm, I'm thankful. I didn't, I didn't really have to deal with social media too much. There was texting. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of mine at some point racking up quite a bill when they were (laughs) 10 cents per text. Right. Yeah. He got a hold of it, but yeah, that's a, that's, it's interesting to, to look back on things like that. And, you know, I've also noticed watching my kids parent now that as a grandparent, I think I've told you this before, I am far more nervous about being outside with my grandkids or driving somewhere with them or just whatever. I'm just, I'm, I'm afraid they're going to get hurt. I'm afraid they're going to touch something they shouldn't. And I never was that way as a mom that I can remember because you can't be, you have to, there's, if you were, if I was mothering right now in the sense of the way I grandmother, I'd have been all over them, following them all over the place and just scared to death all the time. And you can't do that as a mother, you have to let them explore and make some mistakes and get hurt sometimes in order for them to learn and grow. You can't just Absolutely. put them in a plastic bubble and let them uh, keep them from being hurt all the time. So I, you know, when I see Aaron is such a good, calm mama, all of them are, but Aaron's got three now and my other two just have one each, but um, she's, she doesn't hover. And I think that's great because mm-hmm. I hover and it just makes me nervous. I hover now. I didn't then. So you just, you just can't, you can't um, protect them from things happening. And the the humorous things that you're talking about. And I think what you were mentioning of Dale had something to do with floating a picnic table yes. in the lake or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You yeah, know, it's a good they story. Were, <clears throat> they were all into survival, yeah. uh, survival skills. If you can 
um, live off the land in the woods with your bare hands. And, you know, they were all into bear grills. And um, so they were always just taken off mm-hmm. and having these grand adventures. And then we would find out later some of the things that they did on these grand adventures, you know. And, yeah. and then for a while, they got into parkour and they were always creating these courses and doing these crazy things. And, and, you know, there were, there were times when Carl came home in particular one time, his entire back was just shredded. I mean, he had just slid down a road. Yeah. I think he somehow flung himself off of a bike or something and he just slid Mm -hmm. all the way down this hill on the, on a road. And he had came home with his whole back gravel embedded into it. And, and it was, it was horrible, but they were, they were always doing stuff like that. And I really think that in a way, this is a timely discussion because <laughs> you know, that phrase, let boys be boys, mm-hmm. um, that can be abused, Yeah, you know, and, and certainly I would never condone with that phrase, let boys be boys, improper behavior, right? Um, especially toward the opposite sex or, you know, anything like that. That's not what I'm mm-hmm. talking about, but in a sense, in this day and age, especially let boys be boys and yeah. let them rough and tumble and explore and, and experience those guy tendencies, you know, and instead of stifling them and taking that away from them, mm-hmm. or, um, I just think that moms today are facing some things that we never had to face right. when it comes to our children and their gender and, um, the differences between boys and girls. And it just, I can't imagine, you know, yeah. what that's like now with all the outside pressure coming in and things coming in, but b- boys are different. I remember when we were brand new parents, you know, I, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I decided that our boys weren't going to have guns, no toy guns. No, <laughs> mm-hmm. we all go through a stage like that. I think it's because we were in the Richmond area and yeah. DC and violence and all that kind of stuff. But, and Gary was probably two years old and he's chewing his peanut butter and jelly sandwich into the shape of a gun (laughs) and starts going pew, 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 pew. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I'm thinking how, you know, we didn't let him watch things with violence. We didn't give him any toy guns, but somehow he still knew to do that. And then I thought, you know, it's just, there's just something about that. It's just ingrained. And of course that we kind of work through all that. And yeah. Yeah. Now they all have guns and we all take gun safety and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's just, there's just something about it that, you know, little boys are different and yeah. we need to let them be boys. Well, and, and having a strong male role model mm-hmm. and, you know, we were so blessed you and I both in that they, our boys had a father who was a very strong male influence and mine were surrounded by good men. You know, they had good grandfathers and uncles and members of the congregation, but something that I thought I have always thought was so important. And this is true for girls too, but, but specifically, I think for boys is to have a mentor that is not their dad. And that it's someone that you trust and Mm -hmm. you can't always force this, but you can really put men in their path and ask men to be involved with them. And I think with each one of mine, they had, they had Mm -hmm. those mentors. Mm -hmm. Some of them were, you know, I think of, of, um, a couple of my boys had far older mentors. Mm -hmm. One of them, I mentioned Angela Smith a minute ago, but her dad, Gary Montgomery was a mentor to one of my boys in particular. And 
But then there were some that were younger too. They were in college when my boys were in high school. And there were times that they, there were probably things that they would talk to that mentor about that they wouldn't to their dad or for sure me by the time mm-hmm. they're teenagers, you know, they're going to talk more to, to their dad or to, uh, to someone that they respect that, that, and we can encourage that. We can make sure that they, that they have that opportunity with men from the congregation and hand pick them. And sometimes it happens organically, but there are, there are opportunities, opportunities we have to put mentors in their path. And I just have always felt like that was so, so important, especially members of the church that, um, that will provide guidance with spiritual things, not just Mm -hmm. boy things, but spiritual things. So to me, I have recommended that to a lot of mothers is to, to find a mentor, ask them to be involved with your son. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously you've got to be involved yourself and, and be watchful and be careful because sometimes there are things about people that we wish they wouldn't have that kind of influence on our, our sons. But I just think that's, that's such a good, good thing to have a mentor in place. Mm -hmm. I can recall some names that we're so grateful for that influenced our boys and continue to Mm -hmm. just step in. They took it, they took an interest and we're so grateful for that. And, you know, whether it was taking them out to lunch or I think about Mike Vestal, you know, he's, he probably mentors everybody. Yeah, he does. Um, But he's always looking for ways to encourage others and step in and, and give them a good word and build them up and, give them random things, you know, um, a Bible, a ring, uh, money, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just, he's just that kind of person. And I, sometimes I turn around and I have to remind myself now it's our turn. You know, we had people doing that for our kids and now it's our turn. And Mm -hmm. are we doing our part to turn around and invest in the lives of other families and young families? And, um, you know, sometimes I forget that it's, it's not all about us and us receiving all the time anymore. It's our turn to to be given back. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Corey Myers was one of those for two of three, all three of my boys. And he was not that much older. He was probably, um, well, he would have been a senior in high school when Jordan was either a, a freshman or sophomore. So he was not that much older, but for each one, as they've come along, they played football together and he was just such a good natured guy. And, and, mm-hmm. and he, he helped to, to shape, I think, who all of my boys are today. So it's a great thing. Um, I was always thinking about, also thinking about um, what, what are some things that I want for them now? And, and their relationship is important to me. And I know you've, you've already mentioned how they're still tight. Your boys are still tight Mm -hmm. and it's just natural as they grow older and live in different areas of the country that they, they develop their own friendships and have Mm -hmm. their own uh, lives that they're leading. But it, it, it is important. I think as moms that we see that our sons still love each other. One of the things that stands out so much in my mind was Jordan was already out of high school and Jake was, he must've been a senior in high school because they were both quarterbacks and they played together for a while when Jordan was a senior and Jake was a sophomore. They were both quarterbacks for the local high school team. And so Jake didn't get a lot of playing time because he was younger, but by the time he was a senior, he was getting quite a bit of playing time, but 
a game very early on in his senior year, he tore his ACL and there was, he had already signed or had interest in playing at Harding, playing football at Harding, but, but he fell and there was something about the way that he fell and the way that he didn't move just right. We were at Tony Berger center. You know how you have those moments in your Mm -hmm. life that you can just still see in your mind. We were up in the stands I had family, my aunt and uncle were here from Atlanta, but Jordan was there. And when he, and he's watching what was going on on the field. And before I even knew what was going on, Jordan had jumped the fence and had run out on the field and was out there with Jake. And I don't remember a whole lot after that. You know, I don't, it could have been that Jordan got out there and said, you shouldn't have done that, but I don't think, I mean, he, cause he had torn his ACL and he, he knew how important football was to him and he knew how important it was to Jake. And that just, it brings tears to my eyes when I think about it even now, because it, sometimes you just see love and care more than you hear it or more than you feel it, you see it. Mm-hmm. And that, that meant a lot to me to know that they were, they had that kind of relationship. So mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes about how God views us when we bicker and fight, because I know how it hurt my heart when they were younger. And I'm talking about early high school, middle school, and it, it was painful for me to see how they, they fought and at times just seemed like they couldn't stand each other. And I know that's natural. It's just mm-hmm. the way siblings are sometimes, but it makes me think of how God sees us bickering and fighting and not getting along and how, how much he longs for us to love one another and to be unified and to have that unity. So anyway, I was just thinking about how, how much I pray for them to love one another and to respect one another, even as they grow older. So yeah, because the exact opposite of is true. Also, when you see how close they are and how they stick up for each other and lift each other up and want to spend time together as a parent, it just fills your heart. It just makes you feel so, so good. And you're happy for them because they have each other and you know, they're going to strengthen each other, help each other through hard times. They're going to be, you know, it just makes you feel good. It's like an extra security net for them as they're making their way through life. And God has to feel the same way about us as his Mm -hmm. children. Also, when we spend time together and we want to spend time together as Christians and we look out for each other and hold each other up because we're helping each other, you know, and it's got to make his heart feel good too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever looked at changing the subject just a little tiny bit? Have you ever looked at birth order charts? No, but I follow this guy on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like saying he's, I'm not a doctor, (laughs) but I play one on TV. Well, he's hilarious. I'll have to look up his name, but he, all of his little um, things that he does have to do with um, first child, second child, third child. And it's three, he always does three boys and it's first, second, and third. So of course I'm hugely interested, but he nails it every time. And he acts out all these scenarios where here's how the first child responds. Here's how the middle child responds. And here's how the baby responds. And it is spot on. It's hilarious. You need to send me a link to that. I need to see that. Yes, I will. Yeah. When I look at, and I looked at it this morning, when I look at those, I see characteristics. And this is kind of like the Enneagram discussion we had Mm -hmm. because it's not always true, but the first child, it says that they're normally 
uh, well, parents normally are very by the book with their first child, very <laughs> stringent with the rules. <laughs> so true. And this one that I was reading this morning says that we're overly neurotic with our first child. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that was true of us. You know, you yeah. want to do everything right. You want to yeah. make sure that they very are true. healthy and, and not mm-hmm. just physically healthy, but mentally and socially and spiritually healthy. And so mm-hmm. you are like by the book going to do mm-hmm. everything right. Yeah. And uh, so I think that maybe they get this tendency, you know, you're the oldest child, but you only have one sister. So I don't know how much this will follow, <laughs> but um, I, it said that mm-hmm. the first child can be more concerned about the little things than subsequent siblings. And it said that it, this might lead to a tendency for the first child to be a perfectionist, but the first child it says is reliable conscientious, structured, responsible, an achiever, and independent. And that nails our first child. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think of all those things. uh, He's very reliable. I mean, sorry, boys, if I embarrass you with all this, I'm trying not to, but I mean, it really did. But the middle child, because by that time, you, you already have one toddling around. And so you can't pay as much attention to every little thing. So the middle child ends up um, being, having a larger social circle, thriving on friendship that isn't necessarily uh, within the family, but having mm-hmm. friends outside the family can tend to be a people pleaser hmm. and we'll, we'll go with the flow. And I don't think of my middle son is necessarily always being a people pleaser. Although I guess, I think we all have some of those tendencies, but he is very much go with the flow and peacemaker. That was another Mm -hmm. characteristic of a middle child as a peacemaker. And he is very much peacemaker. And then the baby of the family (laughs) said that parents have a, I don't know if I'll say this right, but I know what it means. Laissez-faire. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like a, whatever happens, happens, hands off kind of thing. Yeah. How do you say it? I think it's laissez-faire. Laissez-faire. Okay. Wait, you didn't know people that you were going to have a French lesson today. That is French, right? <laughs> I don't I even know French. that. I'm pretty and sure I probably French. didn't even say it right. Well, someone I'm sure will let us know. But the baby tends to be more fun-loving, uncomplicated, outgoing, charming, agreeable, and less disciplined. And I know that my two older boys would definitely say the less disciplined part <laughs> about their baby brother. But uh, I would, I would disagree. I think that what he has done as a young man would, would show that he is not undisciplined, but Mm -hmm. even now they're going to say, see, you stick up for him, even on your podcast. (laughs) But anyway, I just thought it was fun to look at. I've, I've looked at that before. (laughs) And again, I think you can uh, rise to the level of your expectations. So if you expect someone to be a people pleaser and you, you, you may raise them that way. So I don't necessarily think you need to look at that as your parenting, but it's, it was fun to look back on it you know, once they were grown to see, do you see any of those characteristics in yours? I do. Goodness. Um, sort of. Yeah. Uh, I think the middle child, yes, spot on. And the youngest, um, some of that I see with Gary, I feel like he kind of started out that way and then kind of shifted as he grew in his own adulthood and, Mm -hmm. um, kind of kind of wanted to go off and be his own man and kind of strike out against maybe the norm or the expectations or as he's, you know, figuring things out or whatever, but, yeah. and I'm probably not wording that right, but um, I wanted to know what your favorite thing about being a boy mom is. 
Well, not, you know, not just, just off the top of my head, you know, you read things and I, I read things while we were kind of preparing for this. And one of them said that, that you're the queen of the home. And I don't really even like that word queen. I never felt like the queen because I was the only girl in the house, mm -hmm. but, but my favorite thing was, and this might choke me up, but just, I was their girl. Mm -hmm. And even when I wrote that down, I wrote, I am their girl. And I had to kind of mark that back out and say, I was their girl. And I don't say that, uh, with any resentment at all, because they have grown up, they have met wonderful women. And now she, each of their wives is their girl. And I want that with all of my heart. And I love how they love each other. And I, th that is exactly what I want. But my favorite thing about having all boys was I was their girl. You know, I was the one that I knew them better than anybody else while they were growing up. I knew what they wanted and what they needed. They came to me for comfort. They came to me to, to talk, you know, once they kind of laid down the, the guard that they'd put up in the world and they came home and I tried really hard to have a home that was um, a place that they could come and let their guard down, mm -hmm. you know, not to have to, to, be cautious and to be careful about uh, how they felt. No one was going to make fun or no one, you know, we teased, but we weren't going to make fun of them. And it was a safe place. But when I think back on <clears throat> during worship, I had three boys that leaned on me the whole time. And at the time I remember, I was like, anyone will just let go and quit touching me. But at the same time, <laughs> I loved it because I had one leaning on each shoulder and one in my lap. And there's no, there's nothing better than that to have mm -hmm. three little boys that God gave to me and to John, but to me, because I was there, I was with them all the time and I was the one that they needed and I was the one that they wanted. And so, no, I didn't ever feel like a queen in my house and I would never really want to feel like that, but I felt pretty special because I was their mom and I was their girl. And that, that's just the only way I can think to put it is being their girl. And as grown men now, I know they still love me, but they, they've gone on to make their own homes. And that's exactly the way that God wants it to be. And exactly the way I want it to be. And I'm thankful if there's ever, if there ever has been a time that I have wished that back, maybe I have thought to myself how thankful I was. And I still am that. Grady and Janice, my in-laws allowed John to leave father and mother and to make a home with me. And I, that's what I want. I want that same feeling that I got from my in-laws. I want my, my girls to know that that's exactly what I want for my boys is for them to have their own home and their own family and their own circle and their own friends and their own life. And I just, I just want a little piece of it. I just want, yeah. you know, I, I need to know that they still love me and that they still, what is it, you know, now that they're grown, we need their respect and their admiration <laughs> and we respect them and admire them and love them. And, you know, it made me think of that, that old song. I don't know the name of it is the cats in the cradle. I don't remember who sings it, but how at the, when they are, when they're little, you know, people are warning us you're going to, you're going to want this time back. And 
and now here it is you know i don't necessarily want that time back there's times that i'd like to have maybe a day go back for a day and experience that again but i love where they are now and i love that that we can be their friends now there were times that we couldn't necessarily you know we had to discipline them and we had to raise them and train them and instruct and couldn't necessarily be there not that we were not friends but now is the time that we can enjoy that that friendship so mm -hmm. i would say but I was their girl. What's your favorite thing about being a boy mom? Um, it might be similar, but I was trying to think about how to word it. And I think if I could just sum it up, it would be um, they just have this exuberant zest for life. And mm -hmm. and I love that about our boys, our boys. And and it kind of is an umbrella over everything. I mean, their love for adventures and their um, love for imagination and you know they've got to come up with a story about the adventure and tell you all about it and and um and their play whether it's in their play or a project or even as you were just talking about with that that affection you know it's there's no holding back it's just yeah. because it's this huge zest for life and everything it has to be you know big, big and yeah and so they they love big and they're affectionate and i never even though I messed up plenty as a mom and <clears throat> there were times when they would be upset with us as parents or whatever. There was never, I can honestly look back and say there was never a moment when I thought, I feel like he doesn't even like me. You know I mean? Mm -hmm. It was just, they were always just quick to forgive. Um, just don't, just so over the top in their affection. They just didn't mm -hmm. hold back. I, I feel like I'm not wording this great. But, no, I know what you're saying. I and, can see that. And I just want to, you know, if I could go back now, that's what I would just squeeze onto up. with everything I've got mm -hmm. is when they come up for that good night hug, you know, just, oh, yeah. <laughs> just uh -huh. squeeze it in for all I've got. And, and the, you know, Neil's always been a gentleman. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because when we were dating, the passenger door on his car didn't open from the inside. He had to go around and yeah. get my door. And so it always looked like, he was being a gentleman. Well, he, it just stuck. Like he's always done that. And from the time the boys were little, when he would leave town, one of them would do that for me. And mm. I don't know that he told them to do that or, or they just saw him do that. But if he was out of town, one of them would come get my door oh, and sweet. be the gentleman. And, you know, it's just things like that, that there, this, this huge capacity for, for life and, and love and affection. And I just absolutely loved it. I never forget when Gary was a baby, there was um, a friend of mine, her son was graduating high school and going off to college. And so mine was still a baby. And I remember just wanting to cry for her and thinking, mm -hmm. oh, I can't, you know, I'm holding my child and I'm thinking, I can't imagine saying goodbye. That would be terrible. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. She said, well, you know, God kind of works it out that by the time they're that age, you're ready for them yeah. to leave. You are ready for them to be out of the house. Mm -hmm. And at the time I remember thinking, what? That's, <laughs> that just, that can't be possible. And I kept waiting for that moment and it never came. Mm. It never came for me. Really? Mm -mm. And and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to gloss over and look back on rose colored glasses, even though I sure am. I'm not saying there weren't moments of frustration and, but I never got to the point where when it was time for them to leave, I was ready for them to go. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I know what you're talking about. 
And it, yeah, I I can see a little bit of what she was talking about. I know that um, this their senior year in high school, they there was times that I I felt that door closing, mm-hmm. and I knew it was coming. And you know you're not ready for it <laughs> because they're going to go somewhere, and you know it's not ever going to be the same again. But sometimes not ever being the same again is a good thing, you know, because that's what God intends. One of John's mentors always would say, if they don't grow up and move on, you know, there's something wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, that, uh, that they have to, they have to move along. So that senior year in high school, I remember just, you know, every time, I guess maybe because they're pulling away a little bit and I'm pulling back, you know, I'm wanting wanting to be around them as much as I could. And there were times we would take trips and I would just look at them and think, is this the last time? And, and are, are we going to do this again? But <laughs> the summer before college, I remember with each one of them, they were pulling hard and it was time. And I know that people have different opinions about when it's time for them to go. And and no, I don't think we're ever fully ready for it. But I, I even wrote this down in, in my notes for today, how that senior year, the year that and Jordan was older, he we started him late in school. So he was 19, almost 19 by the time he graduated. And he was so ready. He was just mm-hmm. so ready. And, and it just felt like... Um, those apron strings were stretching, stretching. And, and I knew that it was, it was going to have to be, and it, and it did, and it was okay. And that was the one thing that I learned, I think with him that helped me with when, when it was time for Jake and Micah to leave is that once Jordan was gone and it was a little easier with him because he went to college real close. And so Mm -hmm. I knew that we would be able to see him pretty often. And, uh, and I knew, I learned that I was going to be okay. That yes, it was going to be different, but different was going to be okay. And, but the thing is, and and you, you and I both, we know we don't want to in any way hold ourselves up as any kind of standard necessarily, but. Oh no. <laughs> no but knowing, knowing that this is what I would encourage young moms, knowing that what the purpose of, of maybe it didn't look like this every single hour of every single day, but knowing that what you were doing was raising young men to be men of God. And that is, is if you can't see it right here, you know, it's out here Mm -hmm. and that's your goal. And when you have that in your mind and know that you're raising your little boys to be men of God, that it makes it a little easier. Um, the older they grow and when they start stretching and trying to move away. And um, so it, it it's hard, but it's, it's necessary. And you know that, oh, yeah. and that here we are on the other side and it's great. It's mm-hmm. great. It and, is. And it's, it's great at the time too, because yeah. they're excited and you can't help but be happy for them, you know, to do um, to go be adults and do what they want to do. And start their families and live their lives. And it's fun and exciting to see all of that and watch. I felt like every single stage has been wonderful and beautiful in its different ways. You know, babies, toddlerhoods, adolescents, teens, 
you yeah. know, and, and now adults, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the re change in relationship that comes, it's all been wonderful and exciting and, yeah. um, but bittersweet. Yeah. Bittersweet. And the, our house was always filled with music because all the boys mm -hmm. played and sang, played guitars and sang and had their little band. And that was the biggest thing for me when they left is I thought, man, it's quiet in this house. <laughs> yeah. And I love how when they all come over here and they get together, they pull those guitars back out, you know, and they start singing. And that's usually when I really start feeling sentimental is when they come back and they start playing. There's a big part of me that's going, oh, I really miss that. Oh, I really yeah. miss that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I get it. I understand what you're saying. But that's how, that's how it's supposed to be. And it's so amazing to me when you're in the throes of parenting, what's that saying about parenting that, um, the days are long, but the years are short mm -hmm. when you're smack dab in the middle of it, it just seems like you've, it's all out in front of you and it's, it's years and years and years all out in front of you. And depending on what your perspective is of yikes, I've got years of this ahead of me or I've got years of this to enjoy ahead of me, you know, it seems like it's just all out in front of you and it's going to last forever. And then when it's over and you look back, you think there's so much of our lives that is still ahead. Yeah. You know, the times when we have children in the home is just this really small, small window of our entire lives as women. Mm -hmm. And what does that relationship look like on the other side of them stepping out your door for the last time, you know, as far as being under your authority as right. a mom and what is that relationship going to look like going forward, you know, yeah. and building and growing and encouraging and strengthening each other. Um, I mean, one thing you and I both know is you continue to pray. You mm -hmm. never, ever stop praying and being concerned but at the same time, seeing them and the things that they're doing stretches you. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, sometimes see even the things that they're doing that you're concerned about stretches you in a way because you have to learn how to handle that differently and, mm -hmm. and pray about it and use wisdom. And I don't know, it's, it's every single phase. It's just something new to learn and something to pray about. And I'm grateful for, we've mentioned this before, but the, the fact that God loves them even more than we do. Yeah. And when I tried to do things to the best of my ability, but fell short, you know, he's, he's there and I've turned them over into his care and he's going to look out for them and take care of them no matter what. And that's what we continually pray for. Exactly. I was just thinking that while you almost, while you said it, just thinking that I, how many times did I have to remind myself that he is not my child. Mm -hmm. God gave him to me mm -hmm. for this certain period of time, but he is God's child and God loves him even more than I do. And it's so hard as a mom to imagine anyone, anything loving your child more desperately, more, um, what, what word do you even use to, to say how much you love your child, mm -hmm. but to know that God treasures them even more than we do is, it's a comforting thing. It's just a comforting thing. So thankful mm -hmm. for that. Yes. Yeah. I wrote down a couple, or I, I took screenshots. I went and looked at some boy mom quotes and there was two or three of them that I wanted to share with you. And one of them was to me just <laughs> The whole theme of this podcast, it's Shel Silverstein. So it's a children's oh, book. Oh, yeah. 
but he said, and she loved a little boy very, very much, even more than she loved herself. Is that the giving tree? It didn't say where it came from. I think that's the giving tree. Probably so. Oh, yeah, that's a tearjerker book. Yeah. But then there was um, another one that says, the most important mark I will leave on this world is my son. Just grateful that God gave us three of those marks to make. Wow, I was not going to do this. I prayed (laughs) not to do this. And then I love this one. I love this one because it's so true. No man succeeds without a good woman behind him, wife or mother. If it is both, he is twice blessed indeed. Hmm. And I think, you know, I pray that they all, and I think they do view me as having been a good mother, but they all have wonderful wives. So they are all three blessed, I think, because they have a mother that I know loves them. And I, they each have a wife that I also know loves them very much. And how blessed mm-hmm. are we because of that? Absolutely. Anytime I start feeling sentimental like that, like the, the tears are really coming on. I just picture my kids hanging from the rafters in the basement. <laughs> that was <laughs> weird. I don't know why they thought that was hilarious, but in one of our houses, our laundry was in the basement and I always called it the dungeon because it was not a pretty basement and, mm-hmm. you know, concrete floor and these rafters in the ceiling. I'd go down there with my laundry basket and usually the lights were off, start the laundry and they just thought it was hilarious to attach a belt around their waist into the rafters and just hang there from the rafters of the ceiling in the basement, just swinging without making a noise to see how just long, for fun. to see how long they could go undetected while I'm doing the laundry, you know, knowing that if I walked around the corner and saw these bodies hanging from the rafters, I'd probably scream and have a heart attack on the spot. But for whatever reason, they just thought that was hilarious. And so when they tell the story now, they can hardly get through it. They think it's that funny. Mm. You know, they're cracking up at how hilarious they were. And so <laughs> that's what I picture when I yeah. think, oh, I'm really feeling, I'm really feeling blue. I'm really feeling sad. About, I'm feeling sentimental. And then I think, yeah, yeah. I'm just picturing them squeaking, <laughs> swinging from the rafters in the basement, like <clears throat> some uh-huh. horror movie or something. Oh, I picture gym bags. Yeah. <laughs> there is no stink. Oh, yes. There is oh, no yes. stench like oh. the stench of a gym bag, especially one that has been maybe yes. left in the gym locker room over Christmas break and then <laughs> they bring it oh, home. Yes. But there were times that I remember having to pull over on the way home from a football game. We had to pull over and you're just going to have to take those shoes and socks off and put them, tie them up in a plastic bag and put them in the trunk. And I'm going to find some wipes or something, but Yeah. That was bad. So yeah, I can think yeah. back on the stuff like that and think that, yeah, I don't miss I do that remember all. right at the beginning of Empty Nest, I was feeling all sad about it and the house too quiet. And then I came home from work one day and I walked in the door and I was like, oh, everything looks just like I left it. Yeah. There's no, nice. there's no gym bag. There's no backpacks. There's no piles of things here and there. And, you know, like you can follow the trail of where they've been yeah. in the house, you know? And I remember that one moment thinking, well, maybe this won't be horrible. (laughs) I did think of another regret that we're talking about parental regrets. And um, I don't know why, speaking of now we know where our children get it from them thinking it'd be hilarious to scare me by swinging from the rafters. I used to enjoy scaring my children Mm -hmm. and, you know, like sneaking up on them while they're in the shower or 
you know, chasing them up the stairs in the dark, you know, that horrible feeling of somebody uh-huh. chasing you up. Uh-huh. And I don't know why, but I find that vastly entertaining and still, yes, <laughs> finding ways to, it started when we were first married, I scared Neil half to death and, um, just hovering in the dark to wait and jump out and, you know, boo somebody or whatever. I just, I don't, I have a sick mind, I guess. I just think that's hilarious. But anyway, mm. apparently now that they're grown and ma- married, they've tried that on their wives and none of them appreciate it. None of the wives <laughs> think it's funny. And so that's my bad. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry to all three of my daughters-in-law. They got that from me. So. I just did that to Jackson last weekend. <laughs> we were in the, in the living room with the girls and I, Aaron came home and I knew she was bringing Jackson with her, but I guess he was trying to sneak up on me. And so I thought I would get him first. And I did. I did. So yeah, I, I totally relate. <laughs> I like to do a little, I guess I have a sick mind too. Maybe that's why we're friends. Um, yeah. I always worried about, you know, the boys need to le- learn how to do their own laundry. They need to clean up their rooms. They need to all these things because I don't want my future daughters-in-law to hate me. Yeah. So I was focused on that. I didn't think about the whole scaring somebody being an yeah. issue. So yeah, well, oops, they'll get over it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, if you don't have anything else, maybe we should shift over. Uh, yeah, we could we talk. We could literally talk about this all day long. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But we don't. And have I'm sure all there's things long. that we'll think later on. Well, oh, why didn't I bring that up? But oh, yeah, maybe we'll do a part we two sometime. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Yeah. <laughs> um. So our random question, and you came up with this one: Is there such a thing as being too old or too young to wear a certain style or trend? So you go first, because I don't know that we'll have the same answer on this one. Yeah, my answer is yes. You oh, you want me just, to elaborate on it? Yeah, oh, okay. you, you okay. can't just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will just say this, and I apologize in advance for whoever I offend. I really don't mean to offend anyone because I am this age now, but I st- so totally stuck my foot in my mouth with my friend, Robin Riddick. And if you're listening, Robin, I'm sorry, but um, I said something to her one day about, you know, you're getting a little older when Alfred Dunner things start looking cute. And she said, oh, that was the top that I had on yesterday. And I thought, oh, (laughs) wow. But I mean, it was sort of a compliment because I'm saying that I find Alfred Dunner things are cute. And I typically think of Alfred Dunner as being one of those brands that mature Mature women wear. Mm -hmm. So either they're making them cuter than they used to, or I'm Mm -hmm. just at that age, (laughs) you're shaking your head no, so maybe not. Let me just say, I don't think they're making them cuter than they used to. (laughs) So I'm just getting older, but yeah, I mean, I think that there are times and I think this about myself, I'm at a certain, I'm, I'm a mature I'm, I'm going to say I'm firmly in middle age, maybe even leaning to the older side of middle age. And I don't want to wear jeans. Sorry, people, if you are my age and you wear these, but jeans with holes in them. I just think that's maybe for younger women. And it's not that I think that you shouldn't. It's not at mm-hmm. all any kind of a moral thing, or it's just my feeling about myself that I don't want to do it. And just because I feel like I don't want to look like someone who's trying to be younger than she is. Although I don't, obviously we had the discussion about our hair and not wanting to be gray yet. So, um, 
there's, I, that's just my opinion. I, there's things that I think I'm too old aware. And I think that on the other end too, there's maybe some things that young women wear that make that date them as maybe looking a little older, but that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. What do you think? So I think the answer is no. Okay. And, but I didn't know. I thought that I had to really think this through and my, cause my first reaction is, well, it's a little bit sad when women who are getting older try to look sexy. Yeah. You know, and they, there were the mini skirt and the halter tops and all that. Kind of, I, I think that looks a little bit desperate, but then I thought that doesn't really apply because Christian women, Christian women of all ages should not be dressing that way. Right. I mean, so in, in, in context of, of our audience and what we're talking about, this is a podcast for Christian women. To me, that's the only thing, you know, but that, for us, none of us should be dressing that way anyway. But I started thinking about it and I thought when it comes to being too old or too young, I've seen women that can pull off, like you were saying, the ripped jeans look Mm -hmm. and make it look classy. And I've seen, you know, for me, I start thinking about things like um, graphic tees, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, things that might be in the little younger section, but I've seen women pull that off and kind of mishmash it with a pearl necklace and it looks completely natural on her, you know, and completely normal on her. And so that's why I've decided, I think the answer is no, because, um, I think once you get to a certain age and you're comfortable in your own skin, Mm -hmm. that's what comes across Yeah, and your own style and your own unique way of putting things together fits your personality. So I don't know that there's necessarily an age thing where you, where you shouldn't wear this or you shouldn't wear that because you're too old or too young. I think the biggest mistake is when we try to dress like something we're not. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. That, and you, maybe you, or maybe you're still figuring it out. You don't know your own style. You, and you, you end up putting on something that it's, you're obviously uncomfortable in that, or it just doesn't suit you, you know, or whatever, but I don't know. I just know too many. I mean, I've seen women that I think, how does she do that? You know, mm-hmm. how did, how does she pull that off? Cause I never in a million years would have thought to put that outfit together, but it completely yeah. works. You so, think that about me all the time, don't you? I have never thought that about you. <laughs> you and your thrift store wardrobe looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, so when I come this weekend in my Alfred Dunner and you have on your ripped <laughs> jeans, yeah, I don't we'll even own a pair of ripped jeans. <laughs> I am not one of those women that's cool enough to pull it off. So. <laughs> oh, I bet you could. Yeah. Yeah. I All think right, that's, well, that's a good way of putting it. It's just no, no, you're be comfortable in, in your own skin, be modest. And I mean yes. that in the sense of not um, drawing undue attention yeah. to ourselves, not necessarily any other way, but exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So this was a great conversation. You said it was going to be lighthearted and you made us both cry. So yeah. I, don't really I didn't make us that. both cry. I made me cry. You made you cry. Okay, whatever. <laughs> anyway, ladies, thank you so much for listening in. And as always, we would love to hear from you. And if you're a Bora mom, share some of your favorite things about it or just parenting in general. We, we love the community and feedback, especially on our Looking Up Facebook group. So join us over there. And until next time, Carla. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. Enjoy that. Love you. Love you too. See you soon. Bye.